If you have your Bible this morning, uh, we're turning to uh, Romans, please. Romans and chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, whenever you find the place, uh, just leave your Bible open there. We're turning to a few familiar uh, passages of the Word of God uh, this morning. Just let us bow for a brief moment of prayer uh, just before we come to the Word of God. Father, we bow before Thee. And we thank you for the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. We thank you for the power and authority of thy word. And we pray this morning, Lord, as already has been prayed, that you will come, Lord, and speak into all of our hearts. And whatever the need may be this morning, we pray, Lord, that you will meet that need with a divine touch of blessing. And, Father, that you will get all of the praise and all of the glory, Lord, I yield myself, body, soul, and spirit to thee this morning. Praying, Lord, for that fresh filling, that fresh endowment of power. We pray that your word will come with that authority, with the Spirit of God driving it into our hearts. And, Lord, this morning that you will speak and move in our gathering. We ask it in the Savior's precious and most worthy name. Amen. Amen. If an angel from heaven this morning was to come down into our gathering and was to lift us into that heavenly realm, if we were to enter through the gates of pearls and see the crystal sea and even walk upon the golden street and after maybe having gazed upon the faces of family and friends who have gone before And after having seen and heard the worship of the Lamb upon the throne and heard the new song of the redeemed and all of the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of those places where you and I that are saved will enjoy in a coming day, after all that we would behold, I think one of the greatest wonders that we would see is the reserves and the reservoirs and the storehouses of blessing that you and I as the people of God have never claimed in this our day. Heaven is full, and so many of us live a life that is so empty. I want to say to you this morning, dear men and women, that God's intention from Adam to the very end of time has been to bless his people. The blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. In Psalm 3, whenever David was running from his son Absalom, and in Psalm 3 he said, There many there be that rise up against me. They say there is no help of God in him. And then at the end of Psalm 3, this is what David said, But Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people. In Genesis chapter 1, whenever God made Adam of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and the very next verse, the first thing that God did with man, in verse 28 it says, and God blessed him, the blessing of the Lord. The apostle Peter said that ye are called that ye may inherit the blessing. That moment of salvation whenever we were saved, and if you're not saved this morning, I want to tell you that you're missing out on the greatest blessing that you can ever enjoy, to have your sins forgiven, to be set free, to be liberated, to be changed, 
that moment when we were dead in sin, domineered by the devil, and then delivered by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to inherit the blessing. That moment of time, for Bertie it was down in Fermanagh, for me it was at a bedside in 105 Cool Lakes Road. That moment when we turned from our sin and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can say with the Apostle Paul, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And we can sing this morning, and we should be able to sing with Leonard Weaver, I have a shepherd, one I know so well, how he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. On the cross he suffered, shed his blood and died, that I might ever in his love confide. Those covenanted blessings, that moment when you were saved, God stamped the blessing upon our life, set us apart for himself, called us out of this world of defilement and defeat, and he has called us to inherit that blessing. But I want to say this morning, there's not only the covenant blessings in the Bible, those blessings that have come to us, not by merit, not by work, not by anything that we have done or can do, but there is conditional blessings in the Scriptures. Whenever the Lord Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives, gave that tremendous discourse there, the greatest sermon preached by the greatest man. He gave nine beatitudes in that sermon. Every single one of them has a condition. And right throughout the New Testament, you'll find another 20 beatitudes scattered throughout the epistles. 29 blessings in the New Testament. And every single one of them has a condition. This is what Moses said before he died. He said, I have set before you the way of blessing and the way of cursing. The next word in that verse is choose. And I want to say to every believer in this meeting this morning, you can choose for a life of blessing. You can choose for a life of victory. You can choose to live with God in intimacy where you hear his voice, feel his presence, and are endued by his divine power. That's the blessing of God. But you and I, we have to choose. I have set before you the way of blessing, the way of cursing. Choose. Conditions to be met. I haven't got time this morning to go through the Bible and lift out men and women that met the conditions for blessing. And the week after Alan comes, I'm going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Is there evidences of a life that is touched by God? How do you know that you're filled by the Spirit of God? How can I know, Lord, that you're filling me and enjoying me and helping me? Can I know, my dear men and women, you can know not only from the Bible, but you can know moment by moment, experientially walking with God. You can know what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. I wonder, is that your desire this morning? To say, Lord, I thank you for those covenant blessings that you have given to me, salvation, sanctification, justification, all of those blessings. But Lord, there's still a lack in my life. There's something, Lord, that is lacking. I want to know what it is to live under the blessing of God, where God breathes upon me, where his power moves through me. Is that the desire of your heart this morning? God, will you bless my ministry? God, will you bless my life? Lord, will you bless my family? Lord, I want a divine, special, personal blessing of God upon my life. My dear men and women, this morning there was a man in the Bible by the name of Jabez. He had come from Egypt and they were into the promised land. 
He had all of the physical inheritance of the people of God. But Jabez, who was more honorable than his brethren, it says that he got alone, and this is what he cried. O Lord, that thou would bless me indeed, that thou would enlarge my coast, that thy hand might be with me, that thou would keep me from evil, that I would not grieve me. Jabez longed for more. My dear men and women this morning, I can tell you from the Word of God that there's more than just being saved. There's more than just that moment whenever your sins were rolled away. There's far more. And oh, that thou would bless me indeed, that thy hand might be with me. You remember not only Jabez, what about Jacob? You remember in Genesis chapter 27, it was there where Jacob received the blessing of Isaac. He got it through subtlety. He beguiled his father. But there was a day in the life of Jacob after he received the earthly blessing from his father. In Genesis 32, there he was left alone by the brook Jabbok, down by Peniel. And there the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, came and laid hold of Jacob. And the cry of Jacob's heart was this, I will not let thee go until you bless me. And Jacob got a touch that night down by Peniel. He was never the same again. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. Every step that he took, he could point back to that moment by, the, by, by, by Peniel where God laid his hand upon him, where he went into a new place with God. My desire for this meeting this morning... God's desire not only for this meeting, but for every individual saved by the Spirit of God is that you and I would go into a new place with the Creator, with our Savior, with our Redeemer. Not just to sing about Him, not even just to talk about Him, not even just to pray about Him, but to cry like Paul, Oh, that I may know Him, to know Him. My dear men and women, it's possible to know God. It's possible to be in intimacy with him. It's possible to know what it is for God to bless the life. Oh, I pray this morning that that blessing will rest and that touch will be our portion, every single one of us. That blessing that will be a personal blessing that will spread out to a local blessing even in this assembly. And whenever you get a personal blessing and you see a collective blessing among the people of God, then you will always see revival blessing Blessing that meets the need in the community. Blessing that meets the need in your family. Blessing that meets the need in every single area of society. Blessing that moves out. Revival blessing. But revival must begin in you and I. Revival begins in every single one of us as individuals this morning. The blessing of God. My dear men and women this morning, you can only get the blessing of God in one person and one person alone, and that is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's described as the living waters. You remember in John's Gospel, chapter 4, that woman by the well, she had a need in her life that hitherto had not been met. And the Lord Jesus looked at her and says, If you knew who it was that spoke with you, you would have asked of him, and he would give you living waters. For everyone that drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. It shall be like a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, after all of the feast and after all the water was poured out by the altar, the Lord Jesus stood and this is what he cried, He that believeth in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Spirit of God. And my dear friends, this morning that is the need. 
That is the need of the hour in the church. That's the need of the hour. Maybe in your individual life this morning, you say, Lord, I'm hungry for more. I want to be lifted from barrenness into fruitfulness. I want to be brought, Lord, from uselessness into usefulness. I want to be brought, Lord, into that blessing of God where I come out of Kadesh Baronia and I come into the land of Canaan where there's the waters flow, the land of milk and honey, the land of the hills and the rivers and the valleys. My dear men and women, that ought to be the desire of our heart. Never be content with just being saved. Never be content with just coming to church on a Sunday morning. Never be content with just singing a few hymns and dropping a little bit of money into the box at the door. Oh, get an unquenchable hunger and thirst to get to go through with God. Say, Lord, make me a man or woman of God. I want to talk to you in the moments that we have about the Bible's blueprint for blessing. The Bible's blueprint for blessing. Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I want the blessing of God to rest upon me, to move through me. Lord, I want to be an instrument in the hand of God. Lord, will you show me how to live a life of blessing? How, Lord, to live a life of victory over sin? How, Lord, I can be in that place where you can move me where there's more ups than when there is downs. You say to me, this, Stephen, is it possible to have a life of victory? I tell you it is. You see an airplane sitting on the runway, and the law of gravity is holding that plane on the ground. It's not going to move. But whenever that pilot gets into the cockpit and turns a few buttons and pushes the lever forward, those motors begin to work. And what happens? Those motors bring more power. There's a thrust that comes up and beyond gravity, and that plane begins to move down the runway and then there's a moment of time when then the power in the plane overrides the power of gravity and that plane will begin to rise high, high, high. My dear friends this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to give us victory over sin. To give us victory. And I want to encourage you this morning because the devil will come to defeat you. He'll come to accuse you. And thank God whenever we do fall and whenever we do sin, thank God we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But the Holy Spirit is the one who wants to come and reside. Cast your eye to verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, this small little man, this man that was sold out to God, he was a zealot. He had learned in every situation of life therewith to be content. And here was a man who knew what it was to be filled, enabled, and empowered by the Spirit of God. The old historians tell us whenever Paul preached, he lifted his hands high. And I want you to try to imagine this small man this morning standing on the pulpit of the lifeboat. This man that was set on fire for God. He suffered the perils of the dark, the deep, and perils of countrymen. My, he was sold out for God. He knew what it was to be used in the hand of the Lord. And oh, that he would stand in this pulpit this morning. And this is what he said. I beseech you. I beseech you. I beseech you. And I want you to see this morning the passionate plea of the apostle. This little man, I beseech you. That word beseech is a strong, strong word. It's the word to pray. It's the word to desire. It's the word to earnestly entreat. It's the word to command and even charge. But the strongest connotation of that word is I beg you. Can you see this man? This man that knew all about the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
This man that wrote from Romans 1 to Romans 11 and all the mighty doctrines of truth. And now he comes to these believers in Rome and he says, Now I beg you, I'm begging you, don't miss this reality, he says. Don't live your life without grasping the reality of this truth. The word beg actually means it's in the continual tense. I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg again and again and again. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And here the Apostle Paul is saying it's one thing to have doctrine. But now he says, look, all the doctrine that you've learned, there has to be duty. My dear friends, let me say this this morning. The church in Northern Ireland is full of doctrinal truth, and thank God for it. We never diminish the truth. But that truth that we find in the Word of God is a springboard for you and I to live for God. That doctrine that you and I ought to know and feed upon ought to be the flame that fuels the fire in our heart. And Paul says, I beg you again and again and again. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what a God of mercy we serve. What a God we can come to this morning and we can call him the Father of mercies. And you know the reason why you and I are saved this morning is all because of the mercy of God. This is what Paul said to Titus. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. The mercy of God. Young David, that young man, the shepherd of Judea, he said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The mercy of God. This is what he said whenever he sinned with Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to the multitudes of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Jeremiah, he said, Oh, it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Whenever David's heart was filled with pride, he said, Oh, let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies they feel not. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved, it's the mercy of God that you need. That's what the That's what the publican cried when he went into the temple. He said, oh, be merciful to me, the sinner. And maybe you've fallen during the week. And maybe you're sitting here this morning in a state of defeat. And you've led the Lord down and you said, Lord, I've been a grief to you. I've grieved the Spirit of God and things that I've said and actions that I've taken. Lord, I'm sitting here this morning and I don't even feel worthy of being in the house of God. My dear men and women, thank God there's mercy. There's mercy. And you can leave this meeting this morning on victory ground. You can leave this meeting this morning, oh, knowing what it is to be washed afresh and cleansed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. The passionate plea. And then I want you to think very quickly about a personal presentation. You cast your eye again to verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye... Paul now comes away from all of the congregation at Rome. And he pinpoints the individual. And I want to do that very same thing in this meeting this morning. I want to tell you, dear friends, that the eye of God is upon you this morning as an individual. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. This is God's blueprint for blessing. You see that word present there? It's the word in Romans 6 to yield. Yield yourselves unto God. 
Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. It's the word to hand over. It's the word to submit. It's the word there to let go. It's the word to stop struggling, stop resisting, and stop withholding. And my dear friends, this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to let go of your life. The Lord Jesus said, He that shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. And whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And I want to pray this morning that every single one of us will be individuals that will be sold out for God to stop resisting, to stop withholding, and to stop struggling, to give it all over to him. And say, Lord, here I am, the little bit that I am. Lord, I want you to take my life, lock, stock, and bar. Lord, take my abilities, take my giftings, Lord, and I yield and I submit to you. The prophet Isaiah said these words, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. I wonder, is there a woman here this morning and you're striving with God? Maybe a father. And there's an area in your life this morning and God has put his finger upon it and you're resisting and you're struggling and you're fighting. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker to yield to God. I wonder, have you ever come to a place in your life where you yielded your life, lock, stock, and barrel to God, as real as the moment of salvation. That moment where you say, Lord, I want you to do a work in my life. I want you to change me. I want you, Lord, to take full residency in this vessel. Lord, I want those rivers of living water. I want to meet the need, Lord, in the community around. I want to meet the need, Lord, in my family. I want to know what it is to be filled and pray and walk and be led by the Spirit of God. Have you ever come to that place? That's what we were singing about this morning. Here was the personal presentation. And there's three things I want to leave with you about this surrendered life. The first of all, it's a complete sacrifice. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, the whole thing, Do you know this morning, that moment that you were saved, that your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit? That body that you have this morning that you've dressed up and you washed your face and you cleaned your hands and you pulled your trousers on this morning or put your dress on, that body that you and I have is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, dear men and women, that was a tremendous truth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not? That your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God. Ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. I can't understand it. One of the great things that I've been enjoying in the past few days in the mornings alone with God is that the one who breathed upon the waters in Genesis chapter 1, the one who rested upon the Lord Jesus as he come up out of the water, Jordan, the one who moved in Acts chapter 2 in Pentecostal blessing, the one who moved down through the centuries of time, 1859, all the revivals, that one lives in me and he wants to possess me. You know, dear friends, there's a controversy today in Northern Ireland, can believers be possessed? Well, I want to tell you, dear friends, this morning, you ought to be possessed because whenever you and I get saved, the personality of the Holy Spirit 
comes in, another personality, and he wants to override my personality, my desires, my ambitions, that he wants to take the steering wheel of your life and mine, where we say, Holy Spirit, this is your temple. I'm yielding my members, my hands, my ears, my eyes, my mouth, my heart, my feet. I'm yielding this temple completely to you. Imagine some of you men went to a car dealer's. And you bought a brand new Mercedes or a BMW and you were driving out through the gate and a man stopped you and he said, could you get out of the car please? And he jumped into the driver's seat and he drove it away. You would say, that's my car. I've paid for that. Some of you women, whenever you go into Menares or some of the fashion shops and you spend a lot of money on all of the dresses and you come out through the door, another woman comes and says, I'll take that off you please. And she walks away with your dress and she walks away with everything that you've bought. My dear men and women, so many of God's people, the moment they get saved, they just use their body whatever way they want, forgetting that this body was paid for by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This body of yours and this body of mine is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants every area, every avenue, every ambition, every desire, every will, every motive. He wants to remove anger. He wants to remove greed. He wants to remove gossip. He wants to possess. He wants to take full control. That's the first step to blessing. Whenever the Spirit of God comes and takes up full residency of the life, you remember the last book of the Old Testament was the book of Malachi. And Malachi, that prophet, asked the question, Will a man rob God? I want to ask you this morning as a believer, have you been robbing God? Have you been using your body for your own gains? Have you been using your body for your own advancement? Have you been doing with it what you want? Or has he been yielded to? See, this is the area of life of letting go and letting God. I was talking to Charlotte last night. And we were just talking along this very area of going through with God. And I was telling you the story of a young man who was struggling with an area in his life that the Lord had put his finger on and he couldn't let go. He couldn't give it over to God. And he had the, 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 this inscription on the back of his door, let go and let God. And one morning he went out to work, out to work and he slammed the door. And the D fell off the letter God and it just came, whenever he came home, it just said, let go. Let go. And my dear friends this morning, if you want blessing, if you want to rise over temptation, and I'm not saying you'll be sinless, but I'm telling you you can have victory. And if you want that in your life, if you want to be used by God, I'll tell you what to do. Let go. Let go. Let go of your will and say, Lord, like the words of the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm available for you to use. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. Could you tell me who better you could give it to? I wonder what you've been using your body for in the last week. Maybe there's a man here and you've been using the eyes that God has given you to look at some filth on the television. Maybe there's a sister here and the lips that the Lord has used and given to you to use for his glory, you've been using them to gossip. And this morning, God wants your body. Give it over to him. God never makes a mistake. God never makes a fool of his people. 
God will never embarrass you. God will never despise you. God will never belittle you. And whenever you and I come to the place and you say, Lord, here am I. Take every area of my life. I want to glorify the person of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you come in? Will you take full control of this vessel? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you fill me? Will you empower me? My dear friends this morning, if you and I don't do that, I say it again. We live in a perpetual area of our life where we rob God morning, noon and life of the very thing that he bought. He bought our body with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. And what a price. What about King Amaziah? It says that he willingly offered himself unto the Lord. Ruth Pacton said this, we hinder God when we lack to, we hinder God by lacking to give him room in our lives. Yielding must be every area, a definite, voluntary, unconditional surrender of self over to God, where we say, Lord, every area of my life is on the altar. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings, ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands perform his bidding, let my feet run in his ways, let mine eyes see Jesus only, let my lips speak forth his praise. You see, dear friends, what I'm trying to tell you this morning from the heart of the Apostle Paul, this little man with his hands upraised, he says, I beg you, I'm begging you now, I beseech you again and again and again, don't miss this area of surrender in your life because you live a life of defeat and barrenness and uselessness to God. It's not only a complete sacrifice, it's a continual sacrifice. Because he said it's a living sacrifice, moment by moment yielding to God, moment by moment staying on the altar. God doesn't expect or require you and I to die. The greatest sacrifice of death that has ever been made was there on the cross of Calvary when the Lord Jesus came and he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And he's not asking you and I to go to the guillotine and die. He's just asking us to live, to live for him to give our lives over to God. And Paul went on to say, it's our reasonable service. That word reasonable is the word logical. And my dear friends, this morning, whenever you and I come to the area of the surrendered life and giving over to God and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me, use me, empower me, Paul said it's the most logical thing that you can do. Whenever God takes control of the life, I tell you, dear friends, that's reality. That's reality. And Paul says, yield, I beg you, do the most logical thing, do the most sensible thing, give yourself over to God, let go, let go and let go. Now you say to me, Stephen, is there any illustrations of that in the Bible? And I'll tell you there is. You'll remember there's a young woman and she was a Moabitess. Her name was Ruth. And whenever her husband died and her father-in-law died and her brother-in-law died, her mother-in-law, Naomi, wanted to go back to Bethlehem to the house of bread. And this is what young Ruth said. She said, Entreat me not to leave thee, for whether thou goest, I will go. And where thy people will be, they shall be my people. Thy God shall be my God. 
And where you die, I will die. And where you will be buried, I will be buried. And here was Ruth, this little Moabitish girl. She's basically giving herself over to God and saying, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice for God. What about Mary? That young teenage woman living in Nazareth. And the angel came and said, Mary, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And that Holy One that is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And I'm sure there's many fears and many doubts that went through the mind of Mary. And this is what she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And she let go of her life and said, Lord, whatever your will is, take my body and use it. And there in the manger in Bethlehem, she brought the Lord Jesus into the world. A living sacrifice, sold out to God. And then the Lord Jesus in Mark's Gospel, chapter 20, coming to the end of his ministry as he sat in the treasury. A man and woman were coming in and casting their money into the box. There was a widow came, and she had two little might, just one little farthing. And the Lord Jesus said, She cast in more than they all, for they cast in out of their abundance. But she, out of her need, has given all of her living, a living sacrifice. My dear friends, this morning, that's the key. Whenever you and I can come to the place of living for him, moment by moment, there's a personal plea. There's a personal presentation. And finally, as we close, there's the powerful purpose. Because this is what Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You see that word transformed there? That word is the word where we get our English word metamorpho, metamorphosis. Whenever a caterpillar there crawling along the ground, it'll maybe climb up onto a tree and there it'll weave a cocoon and there's a process takes place of metamorpho, metamorphosis. There's a change that will happen, a permanent change. It will never go back to being a, a little caterpillar again. It'll never go back to groveling in the dirt. And the next time that you see that little grub, it'll have lovely wings. It'll come out of the cocoon as a beautiful butterfly that will flutter and fly in the breeze of the wind, transformed and changed permanently. And my dear friends, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus wants to do in you and I. That the Holy Spirit would come and do a work inwardly. He would permeate thoroughly. And it would be manifest outwardly. The Holy Spirit. Where you say, Lord, I'm letting go of my life. I've heard all this before, Lord. And yet there's an area in my life that hasn't been met. There's a need in my heart, Lord. And I'm living on the lowlands like Lot. And I'm living, Lord, in the well-watered plains of Jordan. But there's no joy in my heart. There's no, Lord, victory over sin. There's no, Lord, fruit of the Spirit in my heart. Will you come, Lord, and fill my heart and my vessel with your presence? And he says, that's how you'll find the will of the Lord. That ye may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Lord, I want to know your will for my life. Lord, it seems to be there's others around me. You're taking them and you're putting your hand upon them. But Lord, I still don't know what you have for me. Lord, I want you to use me. I want to tell you, dear friends, this is the only answer to finding the will of God. 
that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And his will is good. And thank God it's acceptable. And thank God it's perfect. And you read on down through Romans chapter 12 and you'll discover there that Paul starts to talk about the gifts. And if you want to find your gift, if you want to be used by God, this is how you'll do it. Saying, Lord, I've come to the place in the Christian experience, Lord, where I want you to use me. I want to glorify Christ. I want you to come and make me like him. I want the Lord Jesus to come and be glorified in my life. Will you take my hands, take my feet, take my lips and take my eyes? Oh, Lord, take my whole body. Glorify yourself through me. Lord, I'm laying my will upon the altar. I surrender over to God. Blessed Holy Spirit, will you come in and fill? Will you come in your own gracious, tender way? And will you begin to lead me? Will you begin to show me areas in my life that are not yielded over to God? And the Holy Spirit will come in his own gentle way and he'll put an area under his hand and he'll say, there's an area of your life that you haven't yielded to me. Will you open that door? Will you let me in here? Maybe it's an area over your money. Maybe it's an area over your time. Maybe it's an area over your will. And he says, I haven't got full control of that area. Will you yield to me? Will you yield? My dear friends, whenever we yield and we open the door of that area to our life, that's when blessing comes. That's whenever he comes. There was a missionary in with us, I close. Many years ago, stood in a convention in London, And she told of all of the tremendous sacrifices that she had made for the Lord. She had told of how she worked tirelessly for God. She told of how she wept nights and days and tried to win souls to the Lord. And there was an old missionary doctor by the name of Dr. James Stewart in the congregation. And after that woman had spoke of all the sacrifice that she had made, this is what Dr. James Stewart said. He stood to his feet and with tears coming out of his eyes, he said, Madam, Madam, what man or woman here this morning can talk about sacrifice in light of the cross? My dear friends, the one who died for you, the one who bought you, the one who had his hands pierced to that old Roman gibbet, that one that his visage was so marred more than any man, he just didn't die for your sin. He wants you. And he bought you. You belong to God. But I wonder, will you yield to him? And say, Lord, I'm going to stop robbing you from this morning on. I'm going to live for you, Lord. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Take me. And the moment that you begin to do that, you know what will happen? God will begin to show you his will, that good will, that acceptable will, that perfect will. When the Spirit of God comes in and he makes you like the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to be Christ-like, that's what he wants. I'm going to ask you a question and then we're going to sing a hymn. Is that what you have? You see, Paul said that little word, prove it. 
And my dear friends, the world this morning is not looking, as Leonard Ravenhill said, for a new definition of Christianity. The world is looking for a new demonstration of it. And if I asked you the question this morning, prove your surrendered life to me, how would you do it? Prove it. And your children maybe are saying, Mommy, prove it. And your work friends are maybe saying, you say you're a Christian, prove it. Oh, come to the place, friends, where you get down before God and you say, Lord, take it all. And every day, every day before I get out of bed, I always say this, Lord, I'm on the altar today. Take my life. Take my life, Lord. And the Lord Jesus will be glorified through it. Let us stand to our feet as we close. And we're going to sing a hymn, and I want you to think of the words as we sing it. Five, five, four. And don't sing this this morning if it's just out of routine or out of formality. But 554 says, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still.